Well, it is wonderful that we could be together here at the beginning of the school year together. So let me ask as we start here, those of you who are in junior high, 6th and 7th, or is it 7th and 8th, or what is it? 7th and 8th. 7th and 8th. How about those of you in junior high, stand up so we can see who you are. 7th and 8th graders. Very good. Okay. Very good. 7th and 8th. Okay. How about we have, thank you, how about we have those who are ninth graders stand up, please. Ninth graders. Very good. Okay. How about 10th? 10th graders. Good. Okay. How about 11th? Juniors. Very good. Okay, then how about seniors? Very good. Thank you. <clears throat> well, it's all good when we all come together like this. <clears throat> it is always a time of feasting. <clears throat> and so uh, the meeting tonight, <clears throat> I will share at the beginning and <clears throat> take a little bit of time to share. And then hopefully after my sharing, <clears throat> we can break up into smaller groups and read some excerpts together <clears throat> at the end of the packet that you have, and then we could have the remaining time for you all to speak something and to share something of what you enjoyed in the speaking and in the reading together. <clears throat> but let's start off with this. Could we read the title together, starting with Eating and Enjoying Christ, okay? <clears throat> let's read the title together with a strong and exercised spirit. <clears throat> it is very good that we have a human spirit. <clears throat> Our human spirit distinguishes us from every other animal on the earth. You are better than every animal. I know you like animals, but you are better than every animal because an animal only has a soul. They do not have a spirit. We have a spirit. We can exercise our spirit to receive the Lord and to contact the Lord. Okay, so how about we read together the title. Okay. Eating What we are speaking about tonight is something that is very close to everyone's heart. And that is food. Do you like food? And all the brothers said? But you know, I found out also that sisters, my goodness... They also like lots of food. <clears throat> so <clears throat> this is very good. <clears throat> we were created <clears throat> in this kind of way <clears throat> that food, <clears throat> we could take food in, and food is so enjoyable. <clears throat> Eating, <clears throat> unless we're ill, is very <clears throat> enjoyable. <clears throat> Eating is an enjoyment in the human life, right? I, su <clears throat> I suppose that even in this area, <clears throat> if you wanted to go, you can go to all different kind of places. <clears throat> right, Tim? I mean, there must be places. Are you still up in L.A.? <clears throat> There's, huh? <clears throat> There's lots of places where you can go. Whatever your palate desires, <clears throat> you can go <clears throat> and eat. Eating is something enjoyable. Eating is not like going to the dentist. Who likes to go to the dentist? Sorry for all the dentists who are here. <clears throat> but you don't wake up and jump up in the morning and say, I'm so happy 
in this dental chair. <clears throat> For the most part, <clears throat> many of us don't like to be there, but all of us like to eat. Even though you had a good meal, I assume that for dinner time, when I talk about eating, you're still hungry. So be prepared, serving ones. The young people will ask you to stop here, stop there, stop everywhere because they get hungry. Well, tonight we're talking about eating, enjoying Christ, the primary man in the church life. I will go through these verses and some points relatively quickly, so follow with me. If you have a pen or a highlighter, just take it out. Okay? If you don't have one, try to borrow someone from someone next to you because I'm going to just have you circle or underline some key words in these verses. Okay, Roman number one, follow me here. Some examples of eating and drinking, excuse me, eating and enjoying Christ in the Old Testament. When we are talking about eating, we are talking about eating Christ, who is our real spiritual food. Just as... Something is our real physical food. The Lord is our real spiritual food. Just as food satisfies our human body and nourishes our human body, so the Lord as the food nourishes our spiritual life and causes us in our spiritual life to grow. When you think about the hamburger that you will eat later on tonight, think about the hamburger Christ. Amen? Just as you eat that to nourish your physical body, we can eat Christ to nourish our spirit. It is not any different. Okay. A, some examples of eating and drinking in the Old Testament. He's the tree of life in Genesis 2, 8, 9. Look, in your third line, you can underline or circle, good for food. Christ, as the tree of life, presents himself as someone that is good for food. So right at the very beginning of the Bible, God mentions food. Food related to man partaking of God himself. The tree of life is just a picture of who Christ is. He's the incarnated, crucified, and resurrected one to become available as the tree of life to us. What do we do with the fruit on the tree? We eat it. Southern California, Middle California, we have so many fruit trees. Right? And so what do we do with the fruit? We don't just study it, we eat it. Christ is our tree of life that we can eat every day. So in Genesis 2, 8, 9, he is good for food. In these two verses, we see four items. We see God's intention, we see God's purpose, we see God's procedure, and we see God's placing. God's purpose is that man would simply partake of him as food. That man would express him and represent him in this universe. Consequently, God placed man strategically in the garden, right in front of the tree of life, showing man that God's intention is that man would simply eat of him. You don't have to be educated to eat. Our youngest grandchild is, how old is she? Honey, how old is she? Huh? Nine months. She's nine. Our youngest one is nine months. She didn't have to go to Acacia Wood to learn how to eat. Aren't you glad about that? 
She just started to eat at a young age because this is the way she was created. We were all created in this way to eat. Just as we are learning and have learned how to eat physically, now we have to learn how to eat spiritually. So at the very beginning, the Lord presents his purpose to us, his intention. Genesis is not just a storybook. Genesis is a book revealing God's purpose. The Lord is the best author. At the very beginning of the Bible, he mentions his purpose and what the intention of the entire Bible is. He gives the theme and the topic of the Bible at the very beginning. And the theme and the topic of the Bible, entire Bible, is eating. Eating Christ as the tree of life. Okay, we come over next to the Passover lamb in B. This is Exodus 12. Three, and you go to the fourth line down. It says, according to each man's eating, Christ is the real lamb. What do we do with this lamb? This lamb is eaten. Then we go on to the next line, eat it with unleavened bread. And then this is how you shall eat it. And in the last line of the verse 11, it also says, eat it. The lamb, the Passover lamb, is Christ. There were two aspects of the Passover lamb. Number one, the lamb was killed and the blood of the lamb was shed. The blood is for redemption, to redeem God's people out of God's death judgment. Because man had fallen, man became sinful, there was a death sentence upon man. Instead of man dying, the lamb substituted that, the Lord substituted that death with a lamb. A lamb shed the blood, and this lamb which shed the blood was for God's redemption out of what? God's death judgment. But not only do we have the blood of the lamb, we also have the life of the lamb or the flesh of the lamb. And the flesh of the lamb was to be eaten by God's people. Not only do you have the blood of the lamb, so God can pass over you in his judgment. We also have the flesh or the life of the lamb that we could eat to strengthen and energize God's people to get out of Egypt. So we have not only the blood of the lamb, but we also have the flesh of the lamb. The blood of the lamb is for God. The flesh of the lamb is for us. We eat the flesh or the life of the lamb to be strengthened and energized to get out of Egypt. Okay, see, manna in Exodus chapter 16, verses 14 through 15 and 31. And when the layer of the dew lifted there upon the surface of the woodness were fine round flakes, fine as the frost on the earth. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it is. And Moses said to them, It is the bread. What do you do with bread? Eat it. Which Jehovah has given you, circle this, to eat. Again, we see that Christ is the real manna, the spiritual manna for us to eat. And the house of Israel called its name manna. Manna is heavenly food. It is the heavenly bread, and it satisfies our heavenly and spiritual appetite. Manna has many different characteristics 
all showing how rich Christ is. But what I want to pick up tonight is that when we eat manna, we are strengthened to take the way of God, not the way of the world, not the way of society today, not the way, the popular way, not the broad way that so many are taking today. Manna, by eating Christ as the living manna, we are strengthened to take God's way. Otherwise, we may be a believer and we may be in the church life, but we are too weak to take God's way. This is why we eat Christ as our manna. And how often did manna come? Every day. And when did manna come? Every morning. Especially, I would ask the juniors and the seniors in this room, you must have a morning time with the Lord. This is your daily supply of manna. Before you go on the campus, you must have an opportunity, a little time to eat manna. And that manna will strengthen you to take God's way. When someone, when some friends among you, they're telling something, they're saying something that is dark, that is sinful, that is evil. You, because of eating manna, are strengthened not to participate. It's not because you don't like your friends. <clears throat> Is that because you have another nature <clears throat> that doesn't agree with it? These kind of things, <clears throat> these kind of experiences all come from eating Christ, the manna. Manna was something that was very small. It's something very little. You just get a little portion according to what you can eat. But you eat Christ. Every day we can eat Christ. Brother Menor was here one year ago sharing with you one of his speakings, one of his points, one of his ten points was something about breathing in the word, taking in the word. I like to say the same thing. You will hear this again and again and again your whole life. Christ comes to us as the manna, little by little. He doesn't come just as a big ball of manna that drops on, on the earth and then once a month, only once a month he comes and you just go and nibble on it every day. No, he comes every day. Morning by morning, we can eat Christ as the manna. Again, the manna helps us to take God's way. Brothers and sisters, especially those of you in high school, this saves you from living a double life. A life among the brothers and sisters and life at school. A life that your parents don't know about. Manna strengthens you to take God's way. To take the way of honesty. To take the way of openness. Not to take the way of hiding but to take the way, God's way. This is what manna does. <clears throat> manna helps us not to take the way of just mere popularity. My goodness, <clears throat> some in this room, you just want to be popular. Popularity is everything to you. <clears throat> and <clears throat> the more popular you are, <clears throat> the better you are <clears throat> accordingly. Manna helps us to take God's way, <clears throat> not the way of popularity. <clears throat> Unfortunately, the way of popularity can always lead to the way of compromise. <clears throat> we compromise <clears throat> even our human body. <clears throat> we don't want to do that. 
Our human body is created by God as a pure and proper vessel. We don't want to compromise our human vessel when we are young. The enemy, Satan himself, wants to destroy the human vessel of man, starting with man's mind. When I say man, I mean that generically. Starting with man, mixing up confusing, blurring the distinction, even between male and female. What are you? I'm not really sure what I am. Yesterday I thought I was male, but today I feel like a female. This is terrible. God did not create this. God created male and female. And this is the proper marriage. The proper marriage is between a male and a female. But the world today would come in and try to blur this and say, oh, it's okay, it's okay, you just, you just this. And eventually it's okay, you can marry your cat. Actually, there was this, there was a marriage. There was a legal marriage ceremony performed in a nearby state where a man married his cat. The cat got all the rights and privileges in the marriage life. What can, why don't you just marry a mosquito? It's about the same. (laughs) You blurred the distinction between man and animals. We are not an animal. We did not come from animals. You may have come from a monkey, but not me. My forefathers went in the tree one day and eventually fell down off the tree and started kind of hobbling and walking and then, and eventually I walk and here I am. Those are not my ancestors. God created me. He created me, spirit, soul, and body, in his image and with his likeness. My creator is God himself. It doesn't come from an amoeba that was stuck in some kind of primordial mud. My origins weren't crawling around in the mud. No. But this is what so-called brilliant people would tell you. How ludicrous. How ridiculous, right? When we eat manna, Christ is our manna, what happens? We have the full realization, no, we were made by God. We were created by God. Male and female, we were created by God in a distinct way. Manna helps us to take the way of God and to take the way of God's purpose. Okay, let's go on. Manna also helps us not to take the way of pretense, pretending to be someone else. Oh, she's more pretty, he's more stronger, she's so smart, this one. And so we take everyone else's characteristics and we try to all put it in ourselves. Manna helps us to be who we are the way God created us. 
This doesn't mean <clears throat> that if you're in ninth grade or 12th grade and you haven't learned how to add yet, you should say, oh, this is the way God created me. I'm just, uh, I'm just, <clears throat> no, no. He created with you a mind to, <clears throat> to also <clears throat> learn. One plus one equals two. You can learn that. Yes, that's very good. <clears throat> Don't take the excuse that you're this or that. <clears throat> no. Manna helps us not to live a life of pretense. Manna also helps us not to live a life of hypocrisy. Living a life that's contradictory to our belief. And even to our feeling, even to our conviction. When we eat Christ as the manna, we are strengthened to take God's way every day. No matter where we are, no matter what kind of environment we're in. The Lord, in his life, went through not only into death. He went through death and he went out of death. And this is the very life that is within us today. And this is the very life that is within manna today. <clears throat> when we get tempted <clears throat> in so many things, in school, <clears throat> etc., wherever we are, in our <clears throat> own bedroom, you, sh <clears throat> you have to be careful. Manna can strengthen you. Christ, who is the real manna, can strengthen you to live a life that is in the light and that is not in darkness. Isn't that something? When we're looking on the computer and we should not be looking at that site, we don't like to be in a bright room. We like to be in a dark room. We like to be by ourselves in a dark room. We like to not only close the door, but lock the door. Why? Because darkness is not of the Lord. The Lord as light always is against the darkness. If we find ourselves in a dark place, we have to get out of there. Eating Christ as our manna always keeps us in the light. Even manna, one of the characteristics, it's bright. When we eat manna, we become bright. We become light. And some may ask us, your friends may ask you, how come you're different? What happened? Why are you so different? You just said, I'm just eating something. I'm eating something differently. I take care of my studies. I take care of my family. But I'm eating. I'm learning how to eat Christ as my real manna. Okay, let's go on. Not only is he the manna, but he's the offerings. There's a group of verses here. The priests who offered the offerings, all, especially the five main offerings, they all got to enjoy a portion of the offerings. And that portion is a picture of Christ. Number E, how about we read Riches of the Good Land. Let's read the verse together, those three verses, okay? All together. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> throat> 
Okay, right there. You can, you can circle that. You can under, eat bread. <clears throat> Again, we have the matter of eating. Eat bread. <clears throat> okay, without scarcity. <clears throat> and you shall eat and be satisfied. <clears throat> okay, underline that. Eat and be satisfied. When we eat Christ as the real items of the good land, then we are satisfied. Okay, go on. <clears throat> the riches of the good land is a picture, is a complete full, even consummate picture of the all-inclusive Christ who today is the life-giving spirit as our enjoyment and our inheritance. This is who Christ is. How rich is he? He is rich as the land with all the riches in the land. <clears throat> our right and our inheritance, our enjoyment is to eat Christ as all the riches. Then in Psalm 23, what is he? He's the green pastures. He's the waters of rest, <clears throat> and he's a spread table. <clears throat> Here we are, Christ as the real shepherd <clears throat> in Psalm 23. He's the qualified one. <clears throat> he became qualified to be our real shepherd through his incarnation, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. <clears throat> we are qualified to be his flock <clears throat> by being redeemed, by being regenerated, <clears throat> and by being sanctified. He's the shepherd, and we are the flock. So what do we do as the flock? He shepherds us by making us lie down. Young people, lie down. Where? In green pastures. This is great. Isn't it good? It's not brown pastures like Southern California, but green pastures. <clears throat> he leads us beside the waters of rest, and he spreads a table before us. Actually... The table that's spread before us are for those to enjoy who fight the battle during the week. When you eat the manna every day, when you come to the Lord's Day, when you come to the Lord's table meeting tomorrow morning, you will really enjoy it because the table will be spread in front of you. Okay, then the next one is very good. In G, what is it? Two words. Taste. Again, tasting is a matter of eating. Taste and see that Jehovah is good. It doesn't say nibble. It doesn't say <clears throat> he's a snack. It doesn't say sometimes I think <clears throat> maybe you lick your food. <clears throat> it doesn't say lick and see. It says taste. <clears throat> We want you to learn <clears throat> as you go on and as you grow in your human life and in your Christian life how to taste, taste, taste. <clears throat> not just nibble. He's not just a tidbit. <clears throat> we want you to chew Christ. <clears throat> we want you to consume Christ. We want you to ingest him. We want you to swallow him. <clears throat> this is the way to eat Christ. Not just lick him. Not just nibble on him. <clears throat> Take the opportunity to eat Christ. Right? <clears throat> when we taste, 
then we see that Jehovah is good. Then we come <clears throat> to what? In Psalm 36, 8, the fatness of God's house. <clears throat> they are saturated with the fatness of your house. <clears throat> and you cause them to drink <clears throat> of the river of your pleasures. <clears throat> the fatness just shows us the riches of Christ. Some examples of eating and enjoying <clears throat> in the New Testament. Okay, how about A? How about we have the sisters read A and then the brothers read the verse? Okay. God's word is God's breath. The way to eat God's word is to breathe God's word in. This is why we like to pray read. Pray read. We inhale God. God has exhaled himself as the word. We inhale him as the spirit who is the word. We can eat him as the real bread. Because he is the word of God. As the word of God, he has exhaled himself. As the word of God, we can inhale him. By exhaling, by God exhaling himself, and by we inhaling him, we are eating him as the bread. In Matthew 15, we have children's bread. This is a rather unique illustration of who Christ is. He's not only the regular bread, but he's the children's bread. That means he is little pieces of bread. He's not just a big loaf, but he's little pieces of bread. In Matthew 15, the Lord answered this Canaanite woman he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. They had conversation before. And she said, Yes, Lord, for even the little dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Here we see Christ himself. He compares himself to children's bread. And where is the children's bread? The children's bread got thrown off the table of the Jewish religion and onto the floor. And Christ compares himself to the crumbs that came off the table of the Jewish religion and onto the Gentile floor. And he compares <clears throat> this Canaanite woman to a dog. Not just any kind of dog, a little dog. She was not offended. <clears throat> he was not bothered <clears throat> by calling himself crumbs. She was not bothered <clears throat> by the Lord calling her a little dog. Because she saw <clears throat> that even though <clears throat> We may be little dogs. We can still eat Christ, 
who is the little crumbs. <clears throat> the little <clears throat> crumbs, the little bread, can be eaten by the little dogs. <clears throat> so Christ is not ashamed <clears throat> to come as the crumbs underneath the table. We are not ashamed <clears throat> to be the little dogs to eat Christ. Even you may eat Christ just a little bit. That's good. That's a good start. <clears throat> he didn't come <clears throat> as a great piece <clears throat> of meat. He came as little crumbs for us to eat. <clears throat> so this is marvelous. In Matthew, he shows us <clears throat> that he's little crumbs. Okay, <clears throat> then, also in Matthew 22... The gospel as a feast. He shows himself again as a feast. Oh, by the way, let me, you can underline on the second sentence. And she said, yes, Lord, for even the little dogs eat. Underline that eat. <clears throat> again, you see, God's intention is that we, his people, would eat him as the bread. Even as the crumbs. <clears throat> can you believe that? <clears throat> that the Lord considered himself crumbs. I would never believe it unless it's in the Bible. Even the little dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. The Lord didn't say, how dare you? You call me a crumb. <clears throat> the Lord, the woman could have <clears throat> retorted and said, how dare you? You call me a dog. <laughs> Neither was offended. <clears throat> the Lord was happy to be a crumb. She was happy to be a little dog. <clears throat> Why? Because she can have the portion to eat Christ. And Christ is available as the little crumbs to us. Not only so, but he's also in Matthew 22, he's shown to us as a feast. <clears throat> Circle this word in Matthew 22, the first line. The kingdom of the heavens has become like a king who prepared a wedding feast. Circle this word, wedding feast. So the Lord portrays himself as a wedding feast. At the end of this portion, tell those who have been called, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fattened calf have been slain. All things are ready. Come to the wedding feast. Not too long ago, we were here, my wife and I were here in this hall, and there was a wedding feast. <clears throat> Some of the saints, <clears throat> local saints, they probably know that. <clears throat> there was a young couple, <clears throat> they invited us, and they had their wedding here. <clears throat> so let's say we came to the wedding, <clears throat> and there was no food, not even water. <clears throat> well, the wedding would still be lovely, but when we come to the wedding, we're all looking for what? <clears throat> the Lord has prepared <clears throat> a wedding feast, and there will be more <clears throat> than abundant food, not for one hour, not for two hours, not for half a day, but for a thousand years. You might as well get accustomed to eating Christ today. Little crumbs. Because in that day, we will eat for a thousand years. <clears throat> Not just crumbs, but the wedding feast, <clears throat> full of the riches. 
a banquet. <clears throat> Do not misunderstand me. <clears throat> and I hope you wouldn't just take this <clears throat> and just only remember this point. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, the wedding feast of Christ is the real universal quote, quote, party. It really is. It's full of enjoyment. It's not full of sinful things. It is full of enjoyment. It is full of feasting. Feasting on Christ and feasting with Christ and feasting with one another. Okay, then indeed in the New Testament, Christ reveals himself as the fattened calf. Oh, I'm so glad that our Christ is not skinny. He didn't say, come and eat the skinny one. The skinny, no. As a fattened calf, <clears throat> he was prepared. <clears throat> Our Christ is rich. <clears throat> he is fattened full of the riches of God. We're familiar with Luke 15. <clears throat> the second to the last <clears throat> line on these verses. And bring the fattened calf, slaughter it. <clears throat> Let us, here it is again, eat. Let us eat, circle the word eat, <clears throat> and be merry. Christ is the real fattened calf. He was killed for us that we could not only be clothed in righteousness for our outward salvation, but also we could be satisfied inwardly for our subjective salvation. So Christ is our fattened calf. Then in John 6, he's the bread of life. Not only do we see in the Gospels, in Matthew and Luke, but also in John, the Lord is the bread of life. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul speaks about Christ being the feast. Sorry, John 6.35, let me go back to E. Circle bread of life. What do you eat? What do you do with bread? You eat bread. So we circle, circle the bread of life. And then in 1 Corinthians 5, 7 and 8, in the second line, so then let us keep the feast. Again, this is a matter of eating. Christ is our real Passover feast. So circle this phrase, keep the feast. Christ is not only unveiled to us in Matthew as the crumbs, but he's also the feast. Then... In 1 Corinthians 10, he's the manna and the living water. Okay, in this verse, all eight, circle that, the same spiritual food. All eight, the same spiritual food. And then following that, all drank, all eating and all drinking. In H, we have the bread and the cup of the Lord's table. If you go to the last line in the verses, you can see... For as often as you eat this bread, circle this word eat, the Lord's table tomorrow in so many localities is actually a feast to us. And what are we feasting on? We are feasting on Christ himself. He's our real bread and he's our real cup. We enjoy him. He's the bread and the cup of the Lord's table. In 1 Peter, we hit chapter 2, we have the milk of the word. So if you go to page 3, Newborn babes long for the guileless milk. Then in the last sentence, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 3, if you have tasted, 
Please circle that word. Taste it that the Lord is good. Then in J, he's the tree of life. He's the hidden manna. And we are dining with Christ. In Revelation 2, beginning in Genesis 2, it speaks about Christ as the tree of life. We come to Revelation 2, we see still here in Revelation 2, Christ as the tree of life. So in the second line, I will give to eat. Please circle that. Give to eat. Give to eat. Again, Christ presents himself as the tree of life. And then two lines past that, it says, give of the hidden manna. That's to eat. What do we do with manna? We eat it. Give of the hidden manna. Then in Revelation 3.20, in the verse there, the last line, it says, Dine with him and he with me. Then in K, we again, we have a marriage dinner in Revelation 19. You have the second to the last line. Blessed are they who are called to the marriage dinner of the Lamb. Then finally, in L, the tree of life in Revelation 22. On the third line, you have the tree of life. Then at the last two lines in verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have right to the tree of life. What do we do with the tree of life? We eat. Again, so circle right to the tree of life. Man's fall caused the way of the tree of life to be closed. But through Christ's redemption, the way the tree of life was opened again, through Christ fulfilling all the requirements of God's glory, God's righteousness, and God's holiness. From Genesis to Revelation, God himself in Christ presents himself to us as food. We partake of the food, The food is digested by us. The food eventually becomes us. We become what we eat. When we eat Christ as the manna, when we eat Christ as all the riches of the good land, we express everything what we eat. In the excerpts you will see Thanksgiving is coming up. If you eat turkey every day, every day, every day, every day, you will become a turkey. (laughs) Paul says, for me to live is Christ. If you eat turkey every day, you will say, for me to live is turkey. It really is the case. Whatever we eat, we will become. So the Lord's intention is for us to eat Christ. Now let me conclude in a very practical way, in these last few minutes. We saw tonight that eating and enjoying Christ, we must do. We must eat. But because we are not that willing, sometimes the Lord has to raise things up to help us in our environment, to partake of Him, to eat of Him, to remind us to eat of Him. You know, none of us like to see the different disasters and the different things going on on the earth, but especially in this country, in Houston, 
with the hurricane, in Florida <clears throat> with another hurricane. <clears throat> These kind of disasters. <clears throat> Sometimes <clears throat> some may ask us, well, if God is really real, <clears throat> how come there's so many disasters? <clears throat> you answer them in a very simple way. These disasters are actually <clears throat> God's warning to man. That man should come back to God himself. Man should just not live the way he's been living. Man should just not live the way his parents have been living. Man has to live for God because man was created by God. And sometimes these natural disasters come. Nobody likes to see it. There's a lot of human suffering. It is actually God's mercy to mankind to show us that actually all men must come back to God and all men must be right with God. Both in Houston and in Florida, there was warnings. Without the warnings, people would not be prepared. In 1980, in May, my wife was up in the Northwest. Many of you don't remember this. You might have just read this. But there was a mountain called Mount St. Helens that exploded. The whole west side of the crater disappeared. It was a huge explosion. Right, 50-plus people were killed. But the geologists were warning people, get out of there, get out of there. 30-mile radius, get out of there, move out of there. This is an impending disaster. The volcano will explode. Many people heeded it. Some didn't. The warning was given, but they didn't heed it. And because they didn't heed it, they suffered the consequences. So there was a warning that was given. The same thing in Houston, the same thing in Florida. Everybody was warning them, please, leave, leave. You must evacuate. You must, because these things will come and they will take away your human life. Why does God do this? Because he is mean? Not because he is mean. It's because he loves man and he warns man through these disasters to come back to God, to be right with God. Even as young people, we need to be right with God. We shouldn't think that maybe we don't have, we, kinda, we have a long life in front of us and we can be right with God when we're 90. We just live the way we want until that time. No one's guaranteed. No one is guaranteed that kind of life. All we know is we have today and we have to be right with the Lord today. <clears throat> 71 years ago in April, 1946, some of my family was impacted by this. There was a tsunami that took place. And this was in a little city just north of Hilo in Hawaii. I don't know if Grace is here, Lapahohe. You know where that is, Grace? Is Grace here from Hawaii? You know where that is, Grace, on Hilo, on the Big Island. At that time, the warning systems were not as strong. 
But there was a warning that was going on, that there was an impending, impending tsunami. There was a big earthquake in the ocean. And there was just a tsunami warning that was coming. Again, it was not as advanced as what we have today, but nevertheless, it was there. Just like a few years ago in Sendai, Japan, when there was a tsunami warning. Well, what made this warning, what made this disaster so unique? It was on April 1st, 1946. So when the warning was given, people thought, April Fools. April Fools. The government is just giving us an April Fools joke. It's not really coming. And so when the water receded out of Hilo Bay and it came back, it came back crashing with over 30-foot waves. There was a loss of 150-plus lives, including a whole elementary school. It came about 10 in the morning. They heard the warnings, but the administration thought, oh, it's just April Fool's. Brothers and sisters, it's the same way today. God is giving us a warning. There is a fair warning. The natural disasters, no one has control about them. No one can change the disasters. No one can alter them, no matter what scientist does. These are warnings to us to come back to God, to come back to the tree of life, to take care of our relationship with the Lord, even at a young age. Listen to the warning. And this is why in Matthew 24, it says that day and hour, no one knows. Just as the days of Noah's were, so were the coming of the Son of Man be. What days were those? They were befuddled. There was a warning going on. Noah was warning the whole inhabited earth that a flood was coming. Something was coming. Something that you cannot control. But it was God's gracious mercy to warn man. Man, you have to be right with me. This world will not last this way forever. One day I must, according to my righteousness, judge it to bring it to the proper state in which the way I intended it to. The fair warning, I give you the warning. So we have to heed the warning. And this is why, in both in Matthew and Luke 17, it says, take heed, take heed, take heed. When we are talking about eating the tree of life, eating Christ as our manna, to take God's way, this is something that is not for the future. This is something that we are cooperating with the Lord today. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I'll read you a portion that can be applied and is so relevant today. That if you put it... In CNN, it would fit. But concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need for anything to be written to you. 
you yourselves perfectly, you yourselves know perfectly well that like a thief in the night, so the day of the Lord comes. The Lord will come one day. No thief will come to your house and ring your doorbell. I'm a thief. I'm going to rob you tonight. A thief comes when you don't expect. You come home, all of a sudden, things are gone. The Lord comes as a thief in the night. This is why we have to watch. When they say, who? Society. Governments. When they say, peace and security. Peace and security. This is the universal phrase. That everybody wants peace and security, but not according to God's way, but according to man's way. Peace and security. Then sudden destruction comes upon them, just as birth pangs to a woman with child, and they shall by no means escape. Well, in one sense, the Lord is doing the same thing in this age. The Lord will come. You should never take the lie that the Lord will not come. The Lord will come. But he comes as a thief in the night. What do we have to do? We just have to be watch and be ready. We want to be those who are precious to the Lord that we could be stolen by him. How is that? That is done day by day when we eat Christ and we enjoy Christ as our real food. Because then we are constituted with Christ. And when we are constituted with Christ, we become precious to Christ. And he comes as a thief. A thief is not going to steal your old tennis shoes. A thief will come to take something precious. Don't you want to be precious in the Lord's sight? The way to be precious is every day, eat the Lord. Don't nibble on him. Learn how to eat him. Learn how to ingest him. Learn how to digest him. So all the things that we are facing, by the way, that tsunami in Hawaii in 1946 did affect my family. My family was living right there in Hilo at that time. I wasn't born, I wasn't alive at that time, but my parents were, and my relatives were. And some neighbors nearby, they were influenced, they were impacted, because their children were lost that day. I just give you this word, as a word of love, yet as a word appealing to you. Every day we can eat Christ. This helps us to be ready. The Lord in his mercy gives us the warning. One day I will return. And the age will be right. What you see in the age today is not right. This is not according to me. This is not according to God. One day I will make it right. But you must be right with me. Every day eat me. The Lord doesn't tell us, now you have to be a perfect young person. There's no such being. But what you can do is be an eating young person. If you're an eating one, 
You will be strengthened to take the Lord's way. You will be strengthened to be one with the Lord. I speak this not just to the young people. I speak this to the parents and to the serving ones. How can our children be sanctified if we ourselves are not? Not sanctified just outwardly. Our whole life, our whole living must be sanctified. Otherwise, our children will eat what we are eating. They will express what we are expressing. As parents and as serving ones, we have a great responsibility to take the lead to eat Christ. Whether our children would follow this way or not, we don't know. When they get of a certain age, they have to make a decision what to do. But until that time, we have to take the way of the Lord. We have to take the way of eating, not the general way, not the broad way. The Lord in his mercy is opening, is warning us, even through so many things coming, because one day he will return. And we believe, brothers and sisters, all of you in this room, a number of you may be alive when the Lord physically returns to the earth. Maybe I won't, but maybe you will. So we need to prepare by eating and enjoying Christ. By eating and enjoying Christ, every day we can be right with the Lord. We can take God's way, God's narrow way, right, through eating and drinking Christ. When we eat him, we live by him. When we eat him, we are prepared. We become the precious ones that the Lord will take. I may not be selected for this club. I may not be selected for that team. I may not be good enough for that marathon or that academic decathlon. But if I'm selected by the Lord, that will make me happy. I want to be selected by the Lord. I don't want the Lord to bypass me and to go someplace else. Consequently, every day we just eat and enjoy Christ. Amen? This is marvelous. Okay, I think I'll go ahead and stop here.